welcome to Insight, the insurance news podcast hosted by me, Andrew Sawcox. In this week's edition of Insight, we revisit that classic Scandinavian conundrum. A Swedish woman, two Swedish men, and another Swedish woman walk into ABBA. We work all night, we work all day to pay the claims we have to pay. Money, money, money. Must be funny, those mid-year reinsurance renewals. It might be good news for Australian insurers, but premiums are set to continue to rise. Mamma mia, here we go again. There's interesting news about underwriting agencies. The numbers look positive and we should know. We've checked using an abacus. Hello, everyone. This week, I'm joined by senior journalists Miranda Maxwell and Bernice Han, editor John Deeks, and chairman Terry McMullen. Hello, Terry. Good morning. With all those puns, you should take me out to lunch for Nando's. <laughs> oh, that was dreadful, Andrew. <laughs> yeah, that was my lunch order cancelled. Hello, Miranda. Good morning. You strike me as a ABBA fan back in the day. Oh, sure. A bit of dancing queen. Who doesn't love that? A bit of mum dancing. <laughs> Welcome back, John. Hello. Um, you're doing a great job maintaining a rumour that you and Wendy are actually the same person. Okay. <laughs> We'd, I think insurance news would be in trouble if we were. Yeah. <laughs> and hello, Benice. Hi, Andrew. Hey, Benice. I've been in Japan and the toilets are incredible. I know. You could say, what a loo. I know. <laughs> it's the highlight of my trip to Japan. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, Benice, you've been buried in reports on the mid-year reinsurance renewals. That's what we need to know. So in short, double-digit price increases are the norm, but there's been a slight uh, subtle shift in reinsurer's appetite, and that's good good news for the Australian market. So basically, reinsurers have shown a uh, willingness to deploy extra capital at the right price and conditions, of course. And compared to the April renewals, it's a big change, I mean, because there were few signs of, very little signs of fresh capital entering the markets. And we at Insurance News have been keeping track of the mid-year renewals because the majority of uh, Australian property catastrophes accounts renew at this time of the year. So having seen how the April renewals turn out, that there were genuine concerns about the mid-year renewals and what it means for the Australian market. But it has turned out much better than expected. Um, analysts are saying that it shows reinsurers are still very happy to deploy capital here in Australia. The record floods last year and other natural disasters have not diminished their appetite for Australian business. And uh, there was a report from Gallagher Re that says certain reinsurers were actually openly looking for more business in the Australian market. That is, of course, if their pricing expectations were met. Well, apparently, it's important for insurance professionals at all levels to understand the trends on reinsurance. Terry, why should I care? Yeah, well, Andrew, I guess here's a good one. Reinsurance is right at the start, right at the top. It's a major factor in the industry particularly in Australia, where investment and risk isn't much of a thing, so we have to import our, our risk capital as much as we can. The way it works affects everyone from underwriters to brokers, and we're probably fortunate in Australia to provide a bit of balance, I guess, for reinsurers over the much bigger European and American markets. Look, I, I really doubt that most of our customers understand a single thing about reinsurance, but you know, you don't have to know how a car engine works to drive a car either. Look, if you want to be part of the insurance game, it's important to understand the role that reinsurance plays. Its decisions on coverage and costs are a major influence on the way the mar local market operates, and that's why everybody should understand where reinsurance is at. Well, Miranda, as the cost of living crisis rumbles on, KPNG reckon insurance will continue playing a part well into next year. 
Yes, unfortunately, uh, KPMG had already said premiums would rise 10% this year. And now in a quarterly update, it's saying that will be repeated in 2024. So back-to-back price increases of that magnitude. It says it can see no reason not to expect that across the industry and particularly for home and motor policies. Basically, insurers are still struggling to make money, even though they've pushed some pretty hefty premium increases already. And KPMG says while $24 billion of premium is underwritten in home and motor, the profitability is only about $100 million. Home cover lost about $600 million in the last two years, while motor is still profitable, but less so than before. And that's because claim costs are so much higher with inflation impacting materials and labour. And really, as Terry was talking about, the cost of reinsurance has vacuumed up all the premium increases insurers have had to charge. So reinsurance inflation has come in much faster and higher than gross written premiums have grown. And that's hurt profitability and ultimately will hit the hip pocket when buying insurance policies. Well, the floods and other natural catastrophes seem to have stopped, John. Why are premiums still rising? Yeah, good question. The catastrophes have quietened down for now, thank goodness, although nobody knows how long that will last. But remember that claims are still flowing through from last year's mayhem in Australia and the devastating events in New Zealand earlier this year. And there are other influences too, the rising reinsurance costs that we've just spoken about in in some detail and the generally high levels of inflation across the board that are adding significantly to the cost of claims. People do like to complain about their home premiums going up, but it's pretty hard to argue with the figures that KPMG has highlighted there. You know, home cover is losing hundreds of millions of dollars for insurers every year at the moment. And pretty much the only thing insurers can do about that is put up the premiums. Well, Benice, a new report from law firm Clyde Co has some interesting things to say about underwriting agencies. Yeah, it's a global report and there's a special mention on Australia. Uh, we'll get to that later. But uh, the, basically, the law firm is saying that uh, insurers continue to see value in the underwriting agency model. So uh, insurers value the ability of underwriting agencies to use data and uh, technology, uh, doubling down on good risk selection and their ability to adapt fast to changes in the uh, business environment. So uh, insurers are still very eager to play the role of capacity providers and let their underwriting agency partners take on the uh, so-called non-vanilla risk. So uh, about 45% of insurers surveyed uh, say they expect their partnerships with agencies to increase this year. And crucially, the majority of respondents are saying that uh, the tough economic climate out there, like you know, inflation, etc., has not had a material impact on uh, capacity locations. And when it comes to Australia, there's a clear appetite for underwriting agencies. The report says there are a lot of new players who are entering or seeking to enter the Australian market via underwriting agencies to target the uh, SME side of things. Yep. We've talked before about the rise and rise of uh, underwriting agencies in Australia, Terry. How far can they go? Good question, really. Uh, I think that the Clyde & Co report really, really sums it up quite well. Clyde & Co keep a, a fairly close eye on the agency sector, and I don't think that most of what they've said is uh, is anything but but really a, a very good, good look at uh, how these things are growing. The influence of the London market and local agencies, 
they've been here forever, but they seem to have rediscovered Australia in the past few years, really does indicate the the way that we're we're starting to get interest not only from local insurers providing capacity, but but also the fact that, that so much capital's coming into the market that wasn't there before. So I think the underwriting agency sector is going to keep growing and the capital to back them is increasing. You, you just have to go along to their broker expos to get an appreciation of the range of cover that's available to brokers now. But dig deep enough and you'll find the mainstream is also a big supporter of underwriting agencies. So even if the uh, the agencies compete with them in some areas, they're also providing really support for the overall market. I can only see them continuing to grow as a, an alternative market for brokers. Well, APRA is checking into insurers' cybersecurity arrangements, Miranda. Are they up to scratch? Well, APRA's taking no prisoners. It's on the warpath after all those high-profile cyber attacks we saw affecting Medibank Private and Optus and so on. So it's evaluating more than 300 insurers, banks and superannuation trustees in what it's calling a cyber resilience stock take. The first results, which are from about a quarter of the entities APRA regulates, weren't too impressive. APRA says the financial services sector really needs to raise the bar in managing cyber risks and that there are many common gaps and varying levels of maturity. So it's really encouraging insurers to review some of the more common weaknesses it's identified. Those are things like properly identifying and classifying sensitive information, frequently testing cyber programs, staff skill levels, monitoring third parties and having clear governance processes for escalating incidents when and if they happen. So I think APRA is going to keep rattling the sabre on this one. It's warned it will take further action to ensure entities address gaps in their cyber controls. Insurers ought to know the importance of this stuff better than most, Terry. Yeah, I suppose that's true in one sense, but in another sense, no. Look, insurance companies, when you come right down to it, they're just commercial enterprises and they have many areas where where they will have cyber vulnerabilities just like any other company. I doubt it helps that so much of the industry's data is, is lingering on legacy systems that may have additional weaknesses. But because they're insurers and they understand the overall pictures and would be aware of their own specific exposures, that really doesn't mean we've got every chink in the armour covered. It'll be interesting to see what APRA turns up, but I don't expect it's it's going to be all glory and well-done chaps. Finally, Benice, RACQ Insurance is the latest insurer to join the Cyclone Reinsurance pool. But it's not too sure how worthwhile the exercise is. Yeah, the benefits... According to RICQ insurance, uh, will be marginal and it's partly to do with the way the pool has been designed. So there are limitations. Uh, for example, the pool only provides partial cyclone cover, meaning there is a gap which needs to be filled with uh, other reinsurance. So, and what RICQ is also trying to say here is it takes more than just a reinsurance pool to solve the a long-running problem or challenges or challenge of escalating premiums in the north. And the premium challenge has, of course, been worsened because of the claims inflation and rising building material costs. So measures like stamp duty reforms, uh, specifically the removal of insurance taxes, uh, stronger land planning and building rules, they all must also be part of the uh, solution. What do you think, John? Will this scheme eventually prove its doubters wrong? 
Well, it's a bit too early to tell because the insurers are still joining up, as we know. But um, I did think it was interesting that Aon, in its uh, report about the reinsurance renewals, noted the positive impact of the pool in terms of easing the demand on reinsurance. So, I mean, it, it clearly does have a role, but when it comes to the benefits provided to consumers, RACQ insurance may well be right. The estimated savings have bounced around a lot, as we know, but the big question is, will those savings be enough to take insurance from unaffordable to affordable? As we've discussed, there are many other factors pushing premiums up. So even if some people get a really chunky saving from the pool of 30% or more, who's to say that even that won't be wiped out almost immediately by rises caused by other factors? It really is a case of wait and see on this one because the pool is only really just getting going. But I sense that RACQ insurance is onto something here. It's worth taking part because it does offer something but it won't be enough on its own. Well, that brings us to the end of this week's Insight podcast by Insurance News. Thank you once again to our panel, John Deeks, Taryn McMullen, Bernice Han, and Miranda Maxwell. Enjoy your week and thank you all for listening. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at editor at insurancenews.com.au. We value your input. You can read all these stories and many others at your leisure at insurancenews.com.au. You can subscribe to the Insight podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google, and all your favorite podcast platforms now. We look forward to catching up again next week.